With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast, the 100th episode spectacular. My name is Mung. Hey, everybody. It's Los 100 episodes. Can you believe we've been doing it this long? It's been fun. It's been swell. It's been spectacular. It's been... That's why we called it the spectacular. That's absolutely right. And your treat... We're going to run this episode four hours long. One, two, three. Uh-uh, baby. Four hours. Oh, gosh. I, I hope not. I'm, not. I'm not ready for that. Are we going to have bathroom breaks? Oh, oh, I'm cranked up. I've got a Kunkin' Bugport Brewing Company pumpkin ale. We're in. I have no idea what you just said, but uh, I'm excited. All right. Let's get started, as always, with our Gillette Close Shave of the Week. And... <laughs> As some of you might guess, uh, we are going to the Chiefs-Patriots game here. And while the run game, the defense, and Tom Brady all deserve credit for that close, close win, it's got to be Gronk. After a very quiet three quarters with just one catch for 16 yards, Gronk came through in the fourth quarter in a big way with two clutch grabs for both the Patriots and his fantasy owners. Gronk stiff-armed Reggie Ragland into the ground en route to a 42-yard gain. And then with less than a minute to play in the game, tied at 40, Gronk broke away for a 39-yard catch, setting up Steven Goskowski's game-winning field goal just two plays later. Get your close shave like Rob Gronkowski with Gillette, the best a man can get. Want to try blades for less? It's easy. Just choose the right blade for you, order conveniently on the website, by email or by text, and your blades will get shipped right to your door. Start today and get $3 on your first order. Nothing I love better than seeing a big, big old tight end just throwing a defensive back out the club. That's what football's made of, and how fitting for the Gillette, uh, Gillette, uh, Gillette close shave to go to Gillette's own team, the New England Patriots, in the uh, England, huh? in the highest scoring game so far of the year. Mung, I have a feeling this is going to be a good show. Oh yeah, it's going to be a spectacular show. Oh yeah. Let's uh, let's roll on into Thursday night football. Denver at the Arizona Cardinals. Now this week, Denver kept a little closer than expected, losing only by three points. They have a nice matchup here versus Arizona, especially against their horrible run defense. I wish I could say that I'd trust starting Royce Freeman here because this is the perfect matchup for him. But this past week, he only went nine carries, 22 yards, zero passing targets. Philip Lindsay, on the other hand, four carries, 18 with six catches for 48 yards receiving, giving you solid enough flex production here. And, of course, Devontae Booker's here just chomping away at both of them, you know, hurting Royce Freeman left and white, right. Both are flex considerations this week with a definite preference for Lindsay until Vance Joseph gets his head screwed on tight. Uh, Sanders continues to be the best player on this offense. Seven catches, ten targets, 115 yards in the touchdown. While Demarius Thomas did salvage a second week in a row for himself. Three catches, only 57 yards, but the touchdown. He's a low-end flex play this week. Sanders is wide receiver, too. Yeah, I don't uh, disagree with anything you just said there. It's definitely a full-blown three-headed running back committee in Denver with Freeman, Lindsey, and Booker all getting nearly equal playtime. And even though Freeman did get the most carries, I, I agree that Lindsey is probably the best play here, has the most upside, gets those explosive plays going, uh, kind of like Aaron Jones. But uh, again, 
they uh, just don't feel like giving their best players the ball. So right now, just a flex play. Freeman has high upside as well in this good matchup, but he's going to be a little boomer bust. He's probably going to need a touchdown here to be productive. Uh, I agree Sanders I like as a low end wide receiver too and Thomas as well as a flex but really Cortland Sutton uh, bears monitoring here uh, as he continues to trend upward matching Thomas in both targets and production here I think Sutton should be considered a boomer bust wide receiver four at this point uh, and he'd probably be a buy low trade target in dynasty leagues if that team is really only looking at the box scores you can probably still get him for a late first round rookie pick at this point um, and then tight end wise, despite Jake Butt's injury, Jeff Hireman has just done nothing, and it's impossible to start Hireman right now outside of very deep leagues. As for Arizona, they get a short week to prepare for Denver. Uh, this week, they did show signs of life. Uh, David Johnson remains a low end running back one. The wide receivers finally did something. Six catches for 77 yards for Kirk, five catches for 39 yards to Larry, 14 and nine points apiece. I said that it was something. I didn't say it was something you wanted on your team. Ricky Seals-Jones is actually a solid play, though, in my opinion, this week. He looked better this week, converting a nice 40-yard uh, downfield grab. And his tight end one upside here is a stream play, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree there. David Johnson is definitely not a running back one for me. He got stuffed in the run game, barely came up with a garbage time goal line touchdown. Johnson's just still not being used enough in the passing game to guarantee any kind of floor. Um, I did, however, upgrade him to a mid-range RB2 this week as Denver is a pretty decent rushing matchup here. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, he remains a boomer bust wide receiver four, and I stand by what I said before. I believe that he doesn't need to be owned. Um, I would probably avoid Fitzgerald this week again with Chris Harris draping over all those slot receivers and just shutting them down. And I do think that Christian Kirk is an interesting guy to me. Um, Kirk's getting all the go-to targets from Rosen. Clearly they have that connection. Again, I, did we talk about this before? But I, I said that I would prefer Kirk over Fitzgerald for the rest of the season here. No, I never heard you say that. Okay, well, uh, for the record, I do prefer Kirk uh, over Fitzgerald. Ooh. I would actually add him uh, and drop Fitzgerald if that's your only option here at wide receiver. Um, and then Seals-Jones, to your point, did flash some potential here. Uh, he'll be a risk-reward mid-range tight end, too, this week. Um, but all that said, I will take Denver here unless Rosen somehow plays like Sam Darnold did against the Broncos two weeks ago. Wow, hot take. You want to make a bet on the veteran rest of season or no? Sure. You mean uh, Kirk over Fitzgerald and PPR? Yeah, PPR points. Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Starting what? What is this? Week seven, right? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. All right, cha ching. Put one on the board for the lows. Give me Denver at home or on the road. <laughs> I'm starting strong. Yeah, uh, you having some whiskey like uh, Dan and I are? No, no. It's I said it. It's pumpkin. It's from uh, Trader Joe's. Ah, gotcha. All right. Well, that. Oh, that's what you said before. Yes. Kenan oh. Bumpkin's pumpkin ale. Come on. I thought you were just muttering gibberish like you normally do. Yeah. No. 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 You said Denver, right? I. I did. Okay. Tennessee at the L.A. Chargers. 8:30 a.m. Central. 7:30 a.m. Eastern. Please listen, folks. Have your lineup set. That said. Hope your lineups are set not to default having Tennessee players in your lineup and having your Chargers in your lineup, probably. So it's probably not much of an issue anyways. I'm not expecting much of anything from Tennessee here. Maybe 
Deion Lewis and the flex if he can stomach another possible three-point week, week from him. I do my absolute best to avoid it. He's definitely not even a running back to at this point. Derrick Henry is untouchable to me, and so are all of their pass catchers. Mariota looks like crap. The play call calling is garbage. It's not putting this team in any position to get any form of consistent success. Just a bad, badly run team right now. Yeah, we're seeing that Tennessee's first-time offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, is learning just how steep that learning curve can be in the league. Uh, and it doesn't help that they really have no good receivers outside of Corey Davis now that Delaney Walker's hurt for the year. I agree that Lewis is the only guy I'd feel starting. I'd feel comfortable starting here. Um, really, really just a boomer bust flex, maybe even running back four here. Mariota's in a void for me as well. Um, and Davis, too, with the Chargers cornerbacks playing very well right now. There's just really not a whole lot of fantasy potential here. Now, for the Chargers, this game is especially early in the morning. So I hope they play accordingly. Uh, I hope they play well. A lot of, uh, plan accordingly. A lot of times they barely adjust to East Coast times well. And this is way early for them. Uh, that said, Phillip Rivers should be a fine quarterback streamer, quarterback two type. Don't expect three touchdowns from Melvin Gordon again, but do expect running back one production. Austin Eckler did not have a ton of production this past game, but the Chargers did not have to run many plays. Uh, they had efficient offense, and they handled the other team quite quickly and well. He should be a fine flex this week, in my opinion. Definitely better than anybody on the, on the Tennessee side of football. Tyrell Williams will not repeat three catches for 118 yards and two touchdowns on just four targets. Don't bet on that. Keenan Allen has only given us wide receiver two numbers thus far, but I am betting on a second-half resurgence for him. He isn't playing poorly. The rest of the just the rest of the team is just doing really well. They haven't had to lean on it. Right, not a whole lot to say here. Rivers is a decent low in quarterback one. Of course, you're starting Gordon. He and Gurley are probably the clear top two fantasy running backs right now, along with Barkley. Um, and Eckler does remain a boomer bust flex play, depending on if he can break a long touchdown here. Um, we've seen that uh, you know the the Chargers like to throw to their running backs, especially in the red zone, and that's kind of hampered Keenan Allen's. Um, touchdown production here but uh, he's certainly still doing fine he's a mid-range wide receiver too this week um, and I do think he'll have a, a nice second half of the season um, and of course I agree that we should not chase Tyrell Williams numbers uh, just some a couple crazy bombs that Philip Rivers rarely throws and if I had to pick one I would probably still prefer Mike Williams if I had to take a charge as wide receiver here not named Allen um, and, of course, the Chargers' defense worth a look again this week. Uh, if they're out there and they're in uh, your league, uh, they're a perfectly fine streaming defense option. And then, uh, speaking of long bombs, Marquise Goodwin finally uh, shown some potential here in this Green Bay game, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Um, finally getting some stuff done. Uh, hopefully he can keep that going again a bit, spreading the field for, uh, for C.J. Beathard. We'll see. Yeah, and uh, I, I like C.J. Beathard, too. Uh, we'll, we'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, they've got a decent mat matchup, too. Um, but in Superflex, certainly, he, he should be owned. Ooh. Okay, well, Superflex, sure. Um, are we done with the Chargers? Yeah, we're both taking the Chargers, right? Absolutely. Carolina at Philadelphia kicking off the noon games or 1 p.m. Eastern. Carolina got knocked off the game early as Washington went up 14-0 quick. And while this team should seemingly produce even better with that sort of game script, allegedly they have an amazing receiving running back and a top quarterback. 
Christian McCaffrey had a pretty down day. Seven rushes, uh, seven catches on eight targets for 46 yards, just eight of 20 rushing. It's not awful, but there was no reason to not see 10-plus targets when they're playing catch-up that early. I think Greg Olson throws off McCaffrey's fantasy mojo altogether. Greg Olson had four catches on seven targets for 48 yards, and he was pretty involved in the pass game. The offense will have a tough time here in Philly. Greg Olson is low end tight end one, and I don't really want to see any of the wide receivers in any of your lineups this week. Um, I, th- I think Olson takes away a few targets in general, but I don't know that I'd be worried about McCaffrey. Certainly, uh, instead of a, a top running back one with all the targets that he's getting, maybe downgrade him to a high end running back two, low end running back one, but you're still starting McCaffrey with confidence here. Um, really, the problem here was DJ Moore. He single-handedly lost this game for Carolina with two fumbles lost um, against Philly. I think this will be a high-scoring affair here. I like Newton as a quarterback one. I like McCaffrey. Um, and, of course, I like Greg Olson. He uh, played just about every single snap on offense. Clearly, the foot feels fine right now. He's always a, a high risk of re-injuring that foot. But uh, for now, as long as he's healthy, you're starting him as a mid-range tight end one. And then Funchess uh, had a nice one-handed snag in the end zone for a touchdown against Washington here. He'll remain a boomer bust wide receiver three or flex play with some upside here. As for the Eagles, the Eagles got it done with 34 points on the Giants. Carson Wentz showed us what 275 yards and three touchdowns look like. He's a fine quarterback, one here at home. Wendell Smallwood had more groundwork than Clement. 18 carries, 51 yards, and one catch. 11 carries for 43 yards though he did save your day with a touchdown and three catches Corey Clement is definitely more talented and I think that wins out as the season goes on he's a low end running back too until he dominates in this backfield if if that ever happens and Smallwood to me is a flex at at best I'm not seeing much in his future if Clement is healthy uh, not really at all Elshon Jeffrey just just gave us 12 targets here 8 catches 74 yards and 2 touchdowns he somehow has not had any hamstring issues thus far. Everybody's having hamstring problems except Elshon Jeffrey. What a world we live in. Uh, there's always fear with his history. That's why he was drafted so low. But as long as he and Wentz are healthy together, he's a top 12 wide receiver week to week. I'm fading back off of Nelson Aguilar for now. Keep him on your bench, though. Like I said, Elshon is one week hamstring tweak away from nice wide receiver two production for Nelson Aguilar in the PPR. Um, I'm actually going to disagree with you here on the running backs. Uh, I do prefer Clement of the two, but uh, even though he's getting the goal line work, I just have him as a high on RB3 or flex. I still think this is going to be a timeshare here. Um, Smallwood disappointed, but he got a lot of the carries with Philadelphia up a lot already where the Giants pretty much knew they were just trying to run clock. Um, even though I prefer Clement, Smallwood still has that boomer bust PPR flex potential in games that should be much closer like this one. Um, He is the one that is more involved in the passing game. Uh, As for Jeffrey, I'm not quite as high on him as you are, but certainly starting him as a wide receiver too. Um, Of course, you're starting Wentz and Ertz as well. Ertz is a top three tight end. Uh, And as you said too, uh, Aguilar, just a boomer bust wide receiver four right now. And given the chemistry that seems to be there between Carson Wentz and Jordan Matthews, I, I would actually consider starting Matthews over Aguilar if you're you know, desperate, and you have to start one of these Eagles wide receivers. I'll take the Eagles at home here. I think this will be a close one, but I will take the Eagles. Minnesota at the New York Jets. 
Captain Kirk was fine as expected, but he did run in, a, run in an unexpected run option play for a touchdown. Very nice play. The defense had no idea he would possibly be running in on that play. Latavius Murray was phenomenal this week on the ground. 24 carries, 155 yards, and a touchdown. But Cook will almost definitely be back this week, in my opinion. Adam Thielen has now gone six straight weeks with 100-plus yards and had a touchdown this game, while Diggs only compl- compiled 33 yards uh plus nine yards rushing. Uh, Stephen Diggs has the higher upside play each week, but he does disappear at times, times you least expect, just like that. I, I love this consistency for Adam Thielen, though. He's a wide receiver one. Diggs is a high upside wide receiver two. Kyle Rudolph kept rolling on a solid floor, four catches, 37 yards. He always has a chance at a touchdown, low-end tight end one week to week. Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add here. Um, I, I think the main issue with cook is going to be whether or not he's going to be on sort of snap count if he is back um even if he is though as long as he's active i I would have cook as a mid-range rb2 um i do think they might ease him in a little bit his first week back but if cooks is out then i do have latavius murray as a you know low-end rb2 high-end flex play Uh, this will be a tougher run matchup than arizona was as for the Jets, their offense is gelling and improving. They lost Quincy Inouye early, and Jermaine Kersey actually stepped up and uh, gave them nine catches, 94 yards, on top of Terrell Pryor's five catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Robbie Anderson held only a humble line of three catches, 39 yards. I'd avoid this entire wide receiver core this week. They won't get an opportunity for a shootout again here, in my opinion. Uh, monitor for Inunwa's return. If he doesn't, then I do think Curse uh, is a pretty decent PPR flex play. Uh, Powell and Crowell are both flexes only here versus Minnesota. <laughs> Powell and Crowell. I like it. Yeah, I just I just sort of noticed that those <laughs> names are so similar. I don't know how, how that hadn't come to me before. Yeah, I mean, It's horrible. I... It's stupid, but, you know. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, as as good as Crowell has been uh, in brief flashes here, he seems to bust a, a long touchdown here and there. Uh, I probably wouldn't start, uh, you know, him as more than just a low-end flex here. Um, he and Powell are, are pretty closely ranked in my rankings for this week. I don't know that there's a specific preference. It seems like the Jets like to just throw him in there, you know, randomly. There's no set order or rhyme or reason for it. And then Jermaine Kearse, uh, he might get some garbage time PPR production here, assuming Quincy Noon was out. It sounds like he does have a high ankle sprain and, and is unlikely to play this week. Um, but I wouldn't want to trust Kearse in, in a redraft league. He's more of a DFS play, probably just still a desperation wide receiver for here. Um, I did want to mention, too, though, Chris Herndon. He's an interesting name, uh, tight end with some chemistry get now with Darnold. Uh, and the Vikings are giving up quite a few points to opposing tight ends because it, it would seem that opposing quarterbacks are finding it throw, excuse me, finding it difficult to throw outside against Minnesota. So really, Herndon will be a desperation tight end too, but with lots of upside. Um, if Anunwa is indeed out, I think that's going to open up more targets for everybody. Uh, and I'm not betting on back-to-back home wins for the Jets here. I'll, I'll take the Vikings on the road. I too will take the Vikings on the road. Buffalo at Indianapolis. Josh Allen left the game after dazzling us for 84 full yards. Then Nathan Peterman uh, dazzled us with two interceptions. But LaShawn McCoy did go 16 carries, 73 yards, with three catches for 21 on five targets. He's a usable low-end running back, too. It's it's just not going to be pretty. These pass catchers 
All may as well be MC Hammer, though, because you can't touch him. You can't touch him. You can't touch him. Wow, we're, uh, I, I, I guess you're just—I uh, guess you're really busting out all the bells and whistles for the hundredth hey, episode. Stop. Spectacular, huh? Hammer time. Was that a uh, was that a drop or did you just do that live? <laughs> no, 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 that was uh, that was all live, baby. Because I'm too legit, too legit to quit. Man, what what a show here! But uh, I guess the the moral of that story is uh, you're not wrong here. Um, yeah, you really can't touch any of these guys. Josh Allen left with a right elbow contusion, but it does sound like he should be good to go, barring um, further news. Uh, Allen will be a low-end QB2 here. A little bit upside, though, against this awful Colts secondary. Um, McCoy, I agree, is a volume-based RB2 with a low upside here if the Bills' defense can limit Andrew Luck like they did Deshaun Watson. Um, and regarding Kelvin Benjamin, it was... It's pretty funny hearing the report about Josh Allen asking Benjamin to go out for a few passes and warm-ups before uh, that Jets, or excuse me, not uh, that Texans game, and uh, Benjamin just saying no thanks. <laughs> so <laughs> nah, I think I'm good. I think that about sums it up. Um, if I had to pick a guy here, uh, it would be Charles Clay. Clay is getting uh, quite a few targets lately, and the Colts are pretty bad against tight ends. Uh, he'll be a mid-range tight end too for me in PPR this week. Oh, dang. All right. Uh, this is going to be a pretty interesting game. Andrew Luck just showed us why he's a highly touted quarterback with 300-plus yards, four touchdowns. He did throw three interceptions. Still good for 18 points. You know, it is what it is. I'm definitely not shying away here. Uh, Marlon Mack was back, and the other running backs completely disappeared. 12 carries, 89 yards. A nice day that nobody started him for, I'm totally sure. Naeem Hines had six touches despite being down the entire game. He's... I guess lost his role as the catch-up back now that Marlon Mack's back. Robert Turbin had five touches here. This team has the opportunity to have the rare four-headed running back committee monster, and I want zero of them. Uh, Eric Ebron's the only guy I want here if Doyle remains out. He, he showed pretty well for another four catches, 71 yards, and touchdown. Uh, watch for T.Y. Hilton's help, of course. He's one of the most talented wide receivers in the game. Yeah, and this, this Bills defense is playing well. Um, I don't yeah. love Andrew Luck here, assuming that T.Y. Hilton remains out. Uh, Luck is just a low-end QB1 for me. I think he's fine to start, but I, I wouldn't expect a whole lot of upside here. And this may be, you know, there may be some risk here of a down game for him. And likewise, Buffalo's run defense has been equally good outside of a big game given up to Melvin Gordon. Um, kind of more the exception than the rule, though. And, and Marlon Mack, while he is the best option of the Colts running backs, given the workload, just a mid-range flex play for me here. Hines uh, likewise gets downgraded to just a boomer bust running back four until we see him get a little bit more work, uh, though he did drop a touchdown in the end zone ver versus the Jets, so Hines does still have some scoring potential here. Um, if Hilton does actually come back, you would feel fine probably starting him as a high-end wide receiver three. Uh, the Bills aren't particularly good against the slot, but it's not sounding great for Hilton. Keep monitoring those practice reports. And if he is out, and assuming that Doyle remains out too, Eric Ebron should remain a low-end tight end one uh, with lots of upside here. And then finally, Chester Rogers isn't playing great, but Rogers remains a viable low-end flex option as long as Hilton is out. He got another 10 targets against the Jets, and somebody has to catch the ball from Luck. And finally, Somebody does. 
Yeah, and finally, I do I do also want to mention Marcus Johnson, uh, a name that not many people may have heard before. Uh, Johnson was an undrafted free agent wide receiver who signed with the Eagles a couple years ago. Then he got traded to Seattle this past offseason as part of that Michael Bennett deal. Um, and then the Seahawks traded him to the Colts in September. So Johnson's a guy that I've actually been holding in a few super deep dynasty leagues. Uh, he's a 6'1", 220 guy who ran a 439 40-yard dash. So definitely quick and he played well against the Jets before getting carted off with a potentially serious injury so he may not have much of a redraft impact but if we do hear that you know he's fine to play in, in the next couple of weeks he's someone that I would continue to monitor and even if he is done for the season uh, just the guy that I wanted to bring up considering you know stashing him in dynasty just because Andrew Luck um, is going to need re receivers to throw to with Hilton getting up there in age as well. As for this game, uh, I do think it's going to be closer than many think. Uh, Buffalo's playing pretty well, all things considered, uh, and given uh, the Colts' injuries on defense and at wide receiver now. So I will take the home team Colts, but I could see this going either way. Yeah, if Josh Allen doesn't play, I, I think this is a no-brainer. If, uh, if, if Allen is playing, it's going to be close, but I'm taking Indianapolis either way as well. New England at Chicago. New England just hung 43 points on the board. That should not happen again, theoretically, this week versus Chicago. They should be a much better Bears defense. Um, I'm never afraid to start Brady or Gronk, though. Uh, those running back lines were Sony Michelle, 24 carries. Oh, no. Oh, no. Are you okay, Los? Uh -oh. Are you burning up? Uh-oh. I don't know. I, 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 it's, just, it's just getting too hot in here. It's just... It's just so hot in, so hot in here. Oh, well, I'm glad you're alive. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your worries. Thank you for your concerns. Um, should I check on that? I don't. Nah. Were, were you were you making um, some chicken tenders? What happened there? Uh, no, I'm just sort of sitting here, but that's okay. Who knows what the neighbors are doing? Anyways, as for the running back lines for the Patriots, here we go. Sony Michelle, 24 carries, 106 yards, two touchdowns, two. James White, six carries, 39 yards, with five catches, seven targets, 53 yards. Both are fine. Running back two is here with running back one upside week to week. I, I think those guys are great. This is who they run this team through, and it's a fantastic idea. It's awesome. If they didn't have to keep up with Kansas City, I don't think there'd be near as many throws to the wide receivers, specifically Josh Gordon this last game. Josh Gordon led the team in targets with nine. I'm avoiding him this week with a much lower scoring game likely to come. Edelman's a wide receiver, too. He's always Brady's go-to guy. Uh, keep Hogan on your roster. But this was just one fair game, finally, from him. Not even a great one. Uh, I, I want to see two or three decent ones before he t goes anywhere near a starting lineup. Yep, and, and this kind of is the reason that I said for the last couple weeks that I would consider not dropping Hogan just yet, even though I didn't have a problem with it. Um, you know, we've seen that the Patriots' offense is slowly improving week by week, um, especially with Edelman back. So Hogan and Gordon, uh, they'll both be boomer bust flex plays here. Uh, we saw against Miami that the Bears' secondary is still prone to errors, and Brady knows how to manipulate young secondaries with his eyes and those pump fakes. So... Even though I know Khalil Mack's a, a menace uh, in the pass rush game, the Dolphins uh, did manage the Bears' pass rush all right, and I'm not benching Brady here, though I do have him lower in my ranks as a mid-range quarterback one this week in fantasy. Uh, of the running backs, I prefer White as a low-end RB2 and Michelle as a high-end RB3, but both Ooh. should be very startable here. 
Um, and then Gronk, he was quiet for most of that Kansas City game, even though he came through at the end. I don't know if it's the ankle injury that's still hampering him a little bit, but regardless here, uh, the Bears are actually very tough on opposing tight ends. That's an area that they defend very well. Uh, and while I would not bench Gronk, I would definitely limit my expectations here uh, this week, and I would probably avoid him in DFS. And then finally, surprisingly enough, uh, you know, just our producer, Dan, pointed this out to me, but Josh Gordon did lead the team in targets against the Chiefs. Um, it might not have seemed like it because Edelman seemed to be getting those high, uh, those high potential catches and, and moving the chains, but Gordon did lead the, the team in targets, and he almost had a long touchdown were it not for a pass interference penalty. So definitely something to keep an eye on if somehow he's out there in your league, not owned, or... Uh, you know, if their owner doesn't really believe, uh, maybe try and snag him for cheap. Huh. You're surprising me, actually, a little bit on your New England takes. I, I don't know that I agree at all that the Bears are strong against tight ends. They've allowed touchdowns to Cameron Brait, to Will Disley, to, and to Ricky Seals-Jones. I, I think this is going to be a pretty good week for the Gronk. I mean... Generally speaking, uh, you know, you're not benching Gronk. I'm just saying that they haven't really allowed a huge game. So Gronk may get a score here, but really, you know, the guys that you mentioned, Brait, uh, outside of the touchdown, uh, or I guess including the touchdown, he just had three catches. Um, not not the best game. I mean, Disley had three catches as well, so you're really banking on a touchdown. Yeah, but that's Will Disley. He's supposed to have zero catches. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying, um, but I, I think also, you know, outside of those two fourth quarter plays, even though we did give him the Gillette close shave of the week, he was very quiet for a lot of the game. I, I think that they do have so yeah. many options on offense now that, you know, he may be a little bit more inconsistent than we've been used to see. Nah, he'll get loud in Chicago. I'm certain of that. All right. Like As I said, I'm not benching Gronk. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. perhaps, perhaps limit your expectations. Perhaps. As for the Bears, this week was a real heartbreaker. The defense looked like it spent too much time enjoying the Miami sun and nightlife. 31 points in an overtime loss to the Dolphins. Minimal pressure on Brock Eisweiler. I hated this game. This looked like, heading into the week, that it should be a Jordan Howard week, and now I'm actually officially worried for him. Uh, this week against the Patriots does not scheme as a Jordan Howard week at all. This is a Tariq Cohen week all the way. So I, so I go ahead and flex up Tariq Cohen with some some pretty good confidence. Five carries, 31 yards, and a touchdown, uh, with seven catches for 90 yards, and robbed of a second touchdown by a horrible, horrible call by the referee. Offensive pass interference on uh, <laughs> interference uh, on Trey Burton, who did not touch any defender during the play. Just a stupid, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad call. Uh, given the nature of this coming game, uh, Gabriel, Robinson, and Burton could all explode for 15-plus points here. So if you're hurting for a flex play, there's definitely worse options than Chicago players this week. Mitch may have some decent streaming upside here, too. Uh, he, he lost the past week, but did put up 300-plus yards and three touchdowns versus a better defense than what New England has. Yeah, I, I do think that Trubisky's a, a decent risk-reward quarterback, too, in what could be a high-scoring game here. Um a lot to talk about with the running back situation. Uh, it's a mess, but it really depends on what you expect to happen in this game. So if you think that the Bears' defense is going to be able to pressure Brady a little bit, keep it a close game, I do think that Nagy would want to use the power run game, have Howard you know, 
bust through the middle and just try and keep Brady off the field as much as possible. If the defense can't limit the Patriots from scoring, then Cohen's going to see a lot more work in the passing game. So it, it kind of depends on how the game flow is going to go this week. Um, again, it, it really could go either way. Um, I, I'm not sure how to project this game. I think I would lean Howard ever so slightly, but I, I wouldn't fault anyone for taking Cohen here in PPR. Both are going to be risk-reward flex plays. I think for me, I'm just not panicking on Howard because he did have that goal line fumble, and if he had that touchdown instead, I think we would not be talking about this quite as much here. Um, that said, of course, Cohen's the, the more explosive player, could go off for a long touchdown on any given play where he touches the ball. So all that said, um, I do like Trubisky, and, and as a result, uh, I do like the wide receivers. We talked last week that I might actually prefer Gabriel over Robinson, and Robinson did score a little bit more than him against Miami due to that touchdown, but it was pretty close. I think both of these wide receivers are going to be flex plays here in what could be a high-scoring game. Um, and as you said, uh, you know I like Burton more uh, this week, as you do, as a low-end tight end one than I did last week. Um, he was fine. And this, this is a tough one. I, I'm going to take the Patriots, though I do think that the Bears have a chance to shock here at home. Yeah, if the if Khalil Mack can dominate this game, take it over at home, then the Bears will win this game. But I, I, I think they're going to game plan them. To, you know, Belichick knows exactly what to do to an opposing team. Uh, I think the Patriots take this one here. Uh, Cleveland at Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield has a much easier test than L.A. this week in Tampa, and there should be some value in these players this week. Uh, David Njoku, seven catches, 12, 12 uh, targets, 55 yards. He's a good candidate for 10 targets again this week. Uh, Landry put up a stinker this week, but should have a decent PPR wide receiver to play here. Carlos Hyde is a low-end running back, too, with some uh, touch percentage upside, just an offense that hasn't been producing well, unfortunately, but he is still the lead running back on this team. Uh, Antonio Callaway is one of those players where you, he could do well for you. He had 10 targets this past week. I just don't like what I see when I watch him play. He's loaded with talent, but I just don't think it's going to last. He, he's lucky to be on the Browns where he's going to have years and years of opportunities. He reminds me a lot of Doriel Green Beckham. He, he's supposed to be a superstar, but could never quite make it happen. Mm, that's that's a sad name to bring up. But um, sadly, right. you know, I, I can't say I disagree with you. I, I've been talking up Antonio Callaway a little bit here the last couple of weeks. But, you know, he's made some mental errors and he just hasn't played great. Uh, part of it is Mayfield's accuracy has been iffy as well. But certainly Callaway is just a boomer bust wide receiver for does have a high ceiling this week against Tampa Bay, though. Um, and, you know, similarly, I like Mayfield as a high end quarterback, too, in a good matchup here despite some awful weeks. Uh, and I like Carlos Hyde, too, even though he's been very quiet, has some disappointing production lately. Uh, he'll be a high-end RB3 with upside, maybe an RB2. Um, and I do think that both Jarvis Landry and David Nyoku uh, both have immense upside here. Navka. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't think that's that one is quite correct, but... Um, I do think both of those guys have immense upside here. I, I like Landry as a high-end wide receiver three, and Njoku is, is going to be a mid-range tight end one for me this week. Uh, with so many terrible tight end options uh, across the league, uh, He's I have him just outside the top five. The Tampa Bay Deb or, uh, Buccaneers, tons of offense versus Atlanta, and Jameis is back 400 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, about exactly 
what we expect from Jameis Winston. Tons of yardage, zero efficiency, and some, inter uh, some interceptions. He's a low-end quarterback, two here, with tons of weapons. Uh, speaking of, sorry, low-end quarterback, one here, with tons of weapons. Speaking of the weapons, Evans was just four catches, five targets, 58 yards. Sean Jackson, four catches, nine targets, 77 yards. Chris Godwin, six catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. And Chris Humphreys, three catches, 82 yards. As for the tight ends, O.J. Howard, four catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Great, one catch, 15 yards, and a touchdown. What a jumble. So, I did the math. History tells us Jameis Winston prefers his tight ends, which sort of played out with a touchdown for each tight end here, but the wide receivers did out-target tight ends this game. 27 targets to just five. For this first week, I'm sticking with having faith in Mike Evans as a low-end wide receiver one, Deshaun Jackson as a flex, and Howard as the currently preferred tight end. But heck, anything could happen. Peyton Barber looked like a new man this game. He must have heard heard uh, me tell heard us tell you to pick up Ronald Jones. Uh, he finally produced with 13 carries, 82 yards, four catches, 24 yards, and a touchdown. Hang on to him here. This week should not be quite as high scoring. So let's just wait and see. Um, nope, not not uh, not gonna buy it. Don't believe in Peyton Barber at all. Um, we all know that Atlanta has a ton of issues tackling. Um, their linebackers and their secondary have been just awful this year, so I think this is definitely the exception to the rule. Um, if you can sell Peyton Barber for anything right now, I would take that. Um, Robbie Anderson? What's that? Even Robbie Anderson? Oh, absolutely. If, if I needed wide Whoa. receiver help, I would take Anderson over Barber in a heartbeat. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we've seen here that Tampa Bay's defense is so bad that they're going to need to keep throwing it. Uh, almost reminiscent of uh, Drew Brees, another a uh, NFC South team. Um, you know, Winston has to throw a lot because his defense isn't playing well, but he's throwing it to everybody, uh, which is kind of what we've seen from Brees in past years. So really, uh, I agree with you uh, as Evans as probably the best option so far, but I, I do have him as just a mid to high end wide receiver too. Um, I like both Godwin and Deshaun Jackson as flex plays here. Uh, I like O.J. Howard uh, as the preferred tight end, as a low-end tight end one here in fantasy. But I do still like Brait as a mid-range risk-reward tight end, too. Even though he only got one target, it was for a touchdown. So Jameis Winston clearly still has that chemistry in the red zone with Brait. And as I said, uh, I would not start Barber here. Just an RB4 for me. Um, give me Tampa Bay at home, though. Yeah, hang on to him. Don't start him, I don't think. Uh, Tampa Bay at home as well. Oh, Houston and uh, sorry, one, one last note on the uh, Bucks too. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, I, did you see the end of that game uh, against Atlanta? I saw the end of every game. Yeah, so I, I liked that little um, that little short pass uh, with the... Um, the Kelsey special. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of calling it. I, I didn't really know how to describe it for those that didn't see it. A, a lot of laterals, um, and it actually worked pretty well. If Deshaun oh, Watson, one, yes, or yes, excuse yeah. me, if Deshaun Jackson had been able to get that last backwards pass, um, he very well could have walked in for a touchdown and won that game. Yeah, that wasn't his fault. Who was thrown into him? Was it Godwin? I, I think it was Evans, but I'm not positive. I can't Evans, remember. Well, Evans screwed that up. They should have won that game. Yeah, so um, just just an interesting real football play that I wanted to point out. Um, luckily, no one no one lost that fumble at the end, or else that could have been a bad negative two points for whoever threw him that ball. <laughs> yeah, that would have stunk. 
Okay, Tampa Bay at home. Uh, Houston at Jacksonville. Houston escaped from Buffalo, winning with a pick six off Nathan Peterman, but the Bills' defense is better than people give them credit for. This is a tough matchup, though, and I temper expectations for this team. Deshaun Watson's legs may save his day here, a la Patrick Mahomes versus Jacksonville, um, or uh, Dak Prescott versus Jacksonville this week, actually. DeAndre Hopkins will see tough coverage, but I don't bench my studs. He's a top five wide receiver. I'd avoid Kiki Cutie and uh, Kyle Fuller this week. Nope. That's not the one. Will Fuller, the fourth this week, though. I'm not expecting a ton of opportunity to go around here. Same goes for the running backs. Dante Foreman may make this a messier committee when he eventually returns. Um, it doesn't sound like it'll be this week based on Bill O'Brien's comments, but just a tough week for Houston coming. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was the Bills' defense or the chest injury or a combination of both, but I would fade Deshaun Watson here. Um, just a high-end quarterback, too, for me this week. Uh, even though Dak Prescott may have just torched the Jaguars with that magical presence of Connor McGregor in the stadium fueling him, uh, Watson's going to be on the road in Jacksonville. Uh, he tends to chuck up some long bombs that will likely end up as picks if he tries that against this Jaguars secondary. I really don't love him this week. Um, as you said, uh, I, have, I have Hopkins lower, too, as a low-end wide receiver one uh, instead of his normal top three, top five guy, but... Uh, that said, I'm definitely not benching Hopkins. Um, and Fuller seems to be more of a deep threat now with Kiki QT taking over a lot of those outlet routes and those crossing routes over the middle. Uh, I actually don't mind starting QT here over Fuller. Um, I have QT as a high-end wide receiver four. I think he could get quite a few checkdowns in this one. And while I don't love either running back in this game with Miller uh, or Blue, uh, I do have Miller slightly higher as a high-end running back four. Uh, Blue as just a desperation running back five. Um, it seems like the news about Dante Foreman uh, isn't super encouraging, but uh, he's still some someone to keep your eye on here. Yeah, I definitely agree. If anybody's going to have success, it's going to be whichever wide receiver ends up in the middle, which w is never Will Fuller. And uh, unless you want to roll the dice on JT O'Shaughnessy, I, I know I don't. Uh, no. As, <laughs> as for the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, well... They just lost to the Cowboys. That's not exactly how they drew that game up, losing 7-40. to 40. That's the NFL, folks. So uh, Dallas ran the game away with 42 rushes to limit the Jacksonville offense to a minimal possession time, and Bortles didn't do much with it. That's why you can't trust him week to week. Uh, TJ Yeldon only mustered eight carries for 41 yards with three catches for 29. I'm still expecting better this week if it's just him with Fournette out. Um, Jamal Charles didn't do anything to wrestle the job away from him or anything. Uh, the wide receivers also tanked your team here, each totaling eight points for Cole, zero for Moncrief, ten for Westbrook, who caught the only passing touchdown here. If you really want to play this roulette, which I don't, I've said it a couple weeks now, I'm sticking with Keelan Cole. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's really a, a, you know, a dart throw here, but I guess I would still prefer Moncrief uh, out of these Jacksonville wide receivers. Um, as we saw with his time on the Colts, he seems to just come up with those touchdowns here and there. So, uh, you know, just a desperation wide receiver for here, but I guess give me Moncrief. Um, now zero po points, zero. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I'm certainly not trusting him, but I'm just saying if I had to pick one. Um, you know, and then Niles Ugh. Paul uh, likely Pick a will Bears be. Receiver, please, if you're gonna do anything stupid, go ahead and grab Taylor Gabriel or heck, even Anthony Miller. 
Sure. No, I agree with that. I'm just saying of the Jaguars wide receivers here. Yeah, I know. I'm just giving functional advice, Monk. Sorry, Sue. <laughs> totally fine. And um, Niles Paul uh, likely out this week with an MCL sprain, so I'm not trusting James O'Shaughnessy as, as more than a desperation tight end, too. Uh, there's really been no consistency here for Jacksonville, which is their problem as both an NFL franchise as well as for fantasy. So Bortles here, risk reward QB2. And then interesting to note that Leonard Fournette did run today in practice. Um, if he's active this week, though, can you really trust him or Yeldon, assuming that he's not going to be 100%? I think if Fournette plays, uh, he and Yeldon are both just going to be ris risky flex plays here. The Houston defensive line is playing very well as well. Um, but if Fournette does remain out, I guess Yeldon gets bumped up back to that mid-range RB2. He is getting a ton of touches, even if he didn't do a lot with them against the Cowboys. All that said, I will take the Jaguars here at home, but that's really more faith in the defense rebounding than the offense getting it together. Oh, yeah, Jaguars all day. Texans are done. Detroit at Miami. Detroit got a week off to rest up and laugh at the Chicago Bears and learn from their mistakes and blunders. Matt Stafford will be fine here. The wide receiver weapons are too numerous for Miami to stop. Similar to, to the Bears' three wideouts, but better. Uh, they all have a flex floor this week uh, with what should be a wide receiver two floor for Tate in Miami. We'll have to wait and see on the health of the running backs, but Miami showed that they can get gashed by running backs in the short game, which Carrion Johnson has an opportunity, the short passing game, I mean, which Carrion Johnson has an opportunity to succeed in. Uh, unfortunately, that opportunity might still be given to Theo Riddick. Carry on Johnson, man. Just free this man. He should be a running back one. <laughs> uh, certainly don't disagree. Uh, it seems like there's lots of committees in the NFL that you know we as fantasy owners uh, can see a clear answer to, but the head coach seems to disagree. But, uh, you know, you're starting... What do they know? <laughs> right? Um, I mean, honestly, there, there are some NFL coaches that I think don't really know a whole lot. Uh that said, it's easy to be a, an armchair uh, coach, I suppose. But here, um, as an armchair GM, Stafford's going to be a low-end QB1. Tate should be a high-end wide receiver, too. I like Galladay as well as a high-end wide receiver, three. And Marvin Jones, too, as a mid-range wide receiver, three, or flex play. Uh, start them all. Um, we said before, uh, I feel the same way about these wide receivers as I do the Rams wide receivers. Uh, there's rarely any situation where I would be benching them. You'd have to have some really good options here. Uh, and as you said, uh, simply because of the workload concerns right now, I have Carrion Johnson as just a flex play. And then LeGarrette Blunt is that desperation running back five based on whether or not he punches in a short touchdown or two. I blame myself in part for the Miami showing this past week. Clearly the Dolphins have all downloaded, subscribed, and listened to the podcast, listened to all the negativity I gave them. They heard that I said Brock Osweiler was garbage, and they punished me for it. 380 yards, three touchdowns for Brock Osweiler against the top Bears defense. Yeah, 15 carries, 101 yards for Frank Gore, four catches, and 80 combined yards for Kenyon Drake against the Bears defense, which was top five against running backs. But the biggest jerk of all was Albert Wilson, six catches, nine targets 155 yards two touchdowns and apparently he greased himself up in butter while he was on the sidelines because nobody on the bears could tackle him this was the game that each of these of the of each of these players lives and 
each of them have a 0% chance of repeating this. Sell them if you can, and don't waste your fab on Albert Wilson. Look at the weekly numbers here. Outliers happen, but there's no repeats for this team. Come on, it's Miami. Oh, yeah, the only player consistently hawked by the big-time pundits at evaluators. Kenny Stills, yeah, one target. One catch, 35 yards on two targets. Devontae Parker, zero catches. Yeah, we really love what this Miami coaching staff is doing, knowing how to get their playmakers in there. Yeah, it seems like every other week one of these Dolphins wide receivers has a huge game, but good luck deciding whether it's going to be Stills, Grant, or Wilson this week. Um, all of them are just boomer bust wide receiver fives. But there is one consistent part of this Miami offense right now, and that's Danny Amendola. Um, it seems like uh, there's some willingness by Brock Osweiler to check it down. Shocking. So Amendola, I think, is going to be a startable wide receiver four in PPR if Ryan Tannehill misses another game here. Um, Amendola led the team with 11 targets against Chicago. So I think as long as Osweiler is there, um, you can sort of trust Amendola, but I certainly uh, I hope you have better options and you don't have to. Um, it seems like Tannehill is questionable with that shoulder injury. And apparently Brock Osweiler has been storing up energy for two years for, for the next game, and he unleashed it all against the Bears. But certainly would not trust him uh, to start him in a one-quarterback league, uh, although he may have some upside against Detroit. We'll see. Miami plays tough at home, and even though the Bears were fresh off a bye and lost, uh, I will take the Lions fresh off a bye here on the road. The Lions will win, powered purely by my spite or something. Uh, New Orleans at Baltimore kicking off our 3 p.m. Eastern games. New Orleans got a week to bask in the glory of Drew Brees' stat lines, and they should come in strong in Baltimore. Uh, don't be too worried about Kamara's touches. He was overutilized prior to Ingram's return, and as far as I'm concerned, they both have running back one upside. Thomas is wide receiver one. This offense should look an awful lot like how it did last season with a lot of playmakers putting up a lot of points. Alvin Kamara's touches were lower last season, and he was still a top-five running back. Just crazy. Yeah, um, there's not a whole lot to say here, is there? You're starting Breeze. You're starting Kamara as a low-end RB1, even with Ingram involved now. I think Kamara's going to bounce back here, given his usage in the passing game. Um, I don't love Ingram this week. Uh, just a mid-range flex play against the tough Baltimore run defense, although he could punch in another two touchdowns. We'll see. Uh, but I do expect Ingram to be an RB2 in my ranks for the most part going forward. Uh, of course, you're starting Thomas, and while I wouldn't necessarily rely on any other Saints wide receiver this week, keep an eye on the target shares between Ted Ginn, Cameron Meredith, and Traquan Smith. If one of those guys can slowly get more targets in that number two role, they could become a weekly boomer bust flex play. Right now, um, I still lean Ginn, but we're seeing both Meredith and Smith get more and more involved as the season go goes on here. The Ravens are pretty good at shutting down tight ends, so I'd probably avoid Ben Watson this week. Uh, just a low-end tight end, too, for this matchup. As for the Ravens, Joe Flacco is a better stream choice this week versus the New Orleans defense, and both Crabtree and Brown should be solid wide receiver three flex options with definite upside here. Sneed led the team in targets this game, but I, I, do, not that, I do not expect that to resume uh, this next week, Tennessee is actually a pretty good defense and at least tries to take away the team's primary options. Buck Allen disappointed this week with only one carry, three catches, 18 yards. But Baltimore didn't need to put up, put the pressure on with a heightened passing attack like they will versus New Orleans. 
I have Allen as a good-to-go PPR flex option this week. Alex Collins made his owners happy with a rare 19 carries, 54 yards, and two touchdowns. He has flex upside due to the scoring nature of this game and the opposing defense only. Yeah, I'm glad you're with me here on the Buck Allen call. Um, you know, I, I agree 100% with what you said. They really didn't need to do anything on offense uh, with the way that their defense was just dominating Tennessee in that game. So I do think that they're going to need to throw more uh, against the Saints here. Um, certainly Buck Allen is used a little bit more in the passing game, so I prefer him as a flex play over Collins. Man, uh, as, as an Alex Collins owner in one league, uh, I would sell, sell, sell him as soon as possible. If anyone's buying that he's somehow stepped into a bigger role, um, he's still the second-best fantasy running back on his own team and just a low-end flex here despite those two touchdowns. So, uh, In the receiving game, though, John Brown has the highest upside as a low-end wide receiver three, but I do think that this is devolving into kind of a wide receiver committee in Baltimore. Crabtree and Sneed continue to get high target shares here. And I actually do think that Sneed is worth a look if you're desperate at wide receiver as a low ceiling wide receiver three option in PPR. Um, to your point, what we were discussing before, I would start Sneed over any of the Jacksonville wide receivers. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. And uh, none of these tight ends are startable. Um, you know, and even though Flacco, I think, will be a decent streaming QB2 here in fantasy. Uh, I will still be betting on Drew Brees after a week of rest. Give me the Saints on the road. Give me the Saints. Drew Brees tacks another 300 yards onto his uh, career high or onto his uh, record-setting numbers. Uh, Dallas at Washington, the 325 Eastern game. This, that was actually an impressive showing from Dallas, uh, beating the Jags 40, 40 points to 7. Dak is a fine stream this week. Uh, I'm sure you don't want to rely on him. He always has rushing upside. This past game, he tacked 82 yards and a rushing touchdown on to two passing touchdowns. It, it's hard to trust him with what's around him, though. Ezekiel Elliott is, of course, a, a running back one. Cole Beasley had the game of his life. It's like he was on Miami this week. Nine catches, 11 targets, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. Nobody else topped either two catches or 27 yards. I personally think this coming game uh, may feature a ton of rushing by both teams here. I'm not buying into Cole Beasley. I'm not spending fab on him. When are you going to start him again? Only if you're completely desperate, and there's definitely much better options week to week. Yeah, as far as my sources tell me, Connor McGregor will not be attending this game. So Ooh, yeah. Uh, I would probably... Um, avoid Dak Prescott here I, I, I guess he's a mid-range QB too um, you know we're seeing that potentially Dallas might be starting to turn that offense around but it's it's not the greatest matchup here and I would like to see two consecutive weeks of offensive efficiency before I really trust any of these Cowboys players that said Beasley is clearly the number one target for Prescott right now um, led the team in target share by a vast vast amount Beasley will be a high-end wide receiver for this week, kind of like a Danny Amendola. Hopefully you don't have to start these guys, but if you do, at least they should have quite a few targets, so it gives them some sort of floor in PPR. But I certainly wouldn't expect another huge game like he did have against Jacksonville here. Um, really, Zeke is the only guy you, you feel great about starting on the Cowboys still. 
Joke's on us. This just in, that was actually Ryan Fitzpatrick and not actually Conor <laughs> So, yes, Dallas has now lost all of its mojo. On the Washington side of the football, they were lucky to have gotten up on Carolina early. Uh, this is really the only way they can win games here because they are not built to score quickly or often. If they can score early on Dallas, then follow up with a ton of Adrian Peterson carries and tight end targets, they may win here, which is how they beat Carolina. 17 carries, 97 yards for Adrian Peterson. Five catches, nine targets, 36 yards for Jordan Reed, and three catches, 48 yards, and the touchdown to Vernon Davis, frustrating all of Jordan Reed's owners, I'm certain. Paul Richardson was the top wide receiver with a line of three catches, 31 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, that's 12 points, but if not for that rare touchdown, it's just six, with the other four wide receivers combining for 45 yards. That's 75 wide receiver yards. Not, not a recipe for a ton of wins. They got off fairly lucky here. Peterson's a running back two, Reed's a low end tight end one. That that's it. Yeah, actually, I don't think that Washington even beat Carolina. I think DJ Moore beat Carolina. Um, Ooh. Here, uh, not good for first round rookie, huh? No, not not the greatest. Uh, but he will bounce back. Uh, you know, he's a young guy. He should be fine. Back to the Redskins here. Alex Smith, uh, low ceiling QB2. He's in a void in all of the deepest, all but the deepest leagues. We've seen that without Andy Reid, Alex Smith has turned back into Alex Smith. And with Jamison Crowder possibly out with a knee injury, I guess Paul Richardson's the next guy up. But as you said, just a desperation wide receiver four, wide receiver five. Um, I would definitely start Amandola or Beasley over a guy like Richardson. Adrian Peterson's shoulder, though, seems to be fine, so that's good for his owners, uh, although he did not get much more receiving work, even with Thompson out. Thompson's questionable with that rib injury, but assuming he does play this week, uh, I, I like both he and Peterson as flex plays, with Thompson as the preferred option in PPR. And then despite Vernon Davis vulturing the touchdown, uh, I do agree with you that Reed remains a low-end tight end one. Uh, you really can't find many tight ends these days with nine targets in a game, so... I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to really judge this divisional matchup between two bad teams, but I guess Zeke's talent will push me over to the Cowboys' side. Uh, I will take the Cowboys here. I'm gonna go with Washington. They've pulled off some some odd upsets. Green Bay, Carolina now. Yeah, I think Dallas is pretty pretty trashy. Give me Washington. All right. L.A. Rams at at San Francisco. Todd Gurley adds 200 plus yards and too much two more touchdowns. Another week as arguably the top running back. Cooper Cup did not give us much, but that's due to an MCL sprain uh, suffered on that horse collar tackle, which is why that's illegal. Actually, that uh, it was the the Cowboys that made that happen. Uh, Roy, gosh, what was his name? Huh. The longer I live, the more stuff I forget. That's horrible. Uh, Woods and Cooks are locked in at wide receiver two floors. Seven catches, ten targets, 109 yards for Woods, and two catches, six yards, uh, six targets, 53 yards for Cooks this past week. Monitor cup status, but he sounds doubtful for this coming week here. Yeah, you're starting everybody for this party against uh, a bad San Francisco defense. Uh, we saw some fireworks during McVay Shanahan won last year on Thursday Night Football. And I'm very excited for McVeigh Shanahan, too. Goff is going to be a mid-range QB1 here. Gurley, of course, you're starting. Uh, and assuming Cup is out, it sounds like he will be based on uh, McVeigh's comments earlier today. I do like Brandon Cooks as a low-end wide receiver one here. Uh, even though he had a disappointing game, uh, it was his first game back from concussion, and Goff did just barely miss him on a, on a big, long, deep throw uh, where Cooks was pretty open. 
And then finally, uh, Woods, of course, I like as a low-end wide receiver too. Huge upside in this offense. And assuming that Cup is out, I do like Josh Reynolds as a high upside boomer bust wide receiver for. Uh, again, this could be a high-scoring game. Um, both of these very good offensive minds, I do think that they're going to have some tricks up their sleeves. All that said, I'm still not starting any of the Rams' tight ends. Yeah, I think this is going to be a tough game for San Francisco. I, I don't necessarily You mean think the San the, Francisco the, team that's currently uh, leading against Green Bay? Yeah, Green Bay's defense is not that good. That's why they just drafted three rookie cornerbacks, That because they're susceptible to plays like those two deep touchdowns to Marquise Goodwin. Um, but that LA's said, way... I mean, despite despite all the big names on the Rams roster, they haven't been playing that great on defense, though. Yeah, and despite all the, the no names on San Francisco, they're going to play. They're, they're going to have eight points this week, maybe. I, I'll take that bet. I, I will take... Uh, well, of what kind of take an eight. no no team scores under eight points? Of no what no that. what kind of what kind of line are you gonna give me? L A. by ten. I'll take that. So L I I say L A. is gonna win by ten points. Yeah, so you're giving me San Francisco plus ten. Yes. Yeah, I'll take that. I, that's a great. That's a good bet for you. You should take it. I I would have given you LA plus fifteen. All right, I'll take LA plus ten, or um, I mean right. uh, San Francisco plus ten. All right. Yeah, that's that, that's what we meant. Anyways, to me, the the, the beat hard offense does not offer much upside except in tight end. <laughs> Did you say Kittle. beat hard? <laughs> oh, you you heard me right. I have no respect for this team. You you just have San Francisco free fever. Um, unless something crazy more happens tonight, uh, I don't like the running backs here. Yes, I know Brita crazily returned, already scored a touchdown. Good for them. The narrative's over after tonight. I, uh, I disagree. I like Beathard as a sneaky high upside quarterback too this week. Um, I like Breda quite a bit as a high end running back three flex play. I think that he's going to get a lot of catches in this one, assuming that he doesn't re-injure that ankle or suffer any setbacks here. Um, Morris, just a low on flex play. I don't love him uh, you know, pounding the rock against that D-line that the Rams do have. But we've seen that Marquise Goodwin, uh, he's flashing that speed here. Um, I like him as a boomer bust wide receiver three or flex play. Uh, and then Kittle I like a lot as a mid-range tight end one. I, like I said, I'm expecting a much higher scoring game uh, on both sides than you are from San Francisco here. And I, I think it's going to be a pretty close matchup. Um, I won't bet against the Rams, though. I will take them on the road. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cincinnati at Kansas City, our Sunday night football game. Cincinnati's offense played well versus Pittsburgh. Two more touchdowns for Dalton. This is another great fantasy week to come here. Dalton's a quarterback one. Mixon, Green, and Boyd are all dialed in excellent choices. Tyler Boyd is really playing well this year. Seven catches, 62 yards, and two touchdowns this past game. C.J. Uzome was a fine tight end stream choice as well. Uh, after six catches on seven targets, 54 yards in Pittsburgh. This should be a barn burner, folks. A ton of points to come. Yeah, um, love this matchup for the Bengals. There, there's a few teams that you're starting everybody against this year, and that includes Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and Kansas City. Uh, Dalton I have as a mid-range quarterback one, probably the highest I've been on him all year. Mixon I like as a mid to low end RB1, Green wide receiver one, and Boyd a mid-range wide receiver two. 
And then finally, I actually do love CJ Uzoma quite a bit as much as you do. Uh, I have him as a low-end tight end one with upside. Uh, the Bengals are going to need to put up points here, and I think they will be able to do it against the Chiefs defense that will likely still be missing Justin Houston and Eric Berry. Another week, another great matchup for Kansas City's offense, a defense that allows big plays, and an offense that scores all game. Pat Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Hunt, uh, Kareem Hunt, are all strong ones of all their respective positions. Tyreek Hill's route running is actually underrated, in my opinion. He's almost uncoverable. Sammy Watkins did disappoint with just two catches on four targets for 18 yards, but he has big play potential and will always be in a high-scoring game. So his weekly risk-reward is always intact. Uh, that's why I prefer him so much to other risky plays like Robbie Anderson or all the Jacksonville wide receivers, for example. Every game will be high scoring for the Chiefs, and every game has legitimate two-touchdown upside for Watkins. That also includes zero-touchdown, touch, two-catch downside for him, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's possible. Yeah, and before I get into uh, the Chiefs' fantasy analysis here really quick, uh, just a little piece of breaking news. Uh, the girlfriend likes to text me while we're recording the podcast. Uh, but this <laughs> time uh, she actually did uh, have a little bit of news here. Uh, that New England fan who threw his beer at Tyreek Hill after he scored that third touchdown has been banned for life. So uh, as a Patriots oh. fan myself, I'm happy to hear this. Uh, there's no reason to, to act that way uh, no matter what's going on in the game. So... Anyway, uh, he, he certainly deserves that, but what a tough loss for Kansas City here. Um, I'm sure that defensive lineman that let Brady go is kicking himself. That game could have gone either way. Uh, there were errors made on both sides. Uh, I loved, I've loved some of the risks that the Patriots took on defense with that zero blitz, uh, you know, covering Tyree Kill one-on-one -on -one with no help. Uh, yeah, that's just playing with fire, but it, it worked out for them. That said, uh, you know, I hope we get to see a rematch here in January between these two teams. Patrick Mahomes, he's the prince that was promised. Uh, he's the top fantasy quarterback again for me this week. Hunt should be a mid-range, low-end RB2 in a decent matchup here. And then Hill's not going to get 40 points every week, especially with one of those touchdowns that he had actually being an overthrown target for Kareem Hunt. But... Uh, you're certainly starting Hill every week as a low-end wide receiver, one with high, high upside. And then, as you said, even though it was a quiet game for Watkins at New England, uh, he remains a boomer bust wide receiver three play here. Um, I think you're going to start Kelsey, right, as a top three tight end, just like you are every week. So Cincinnati couldn't handle Pittsburgh at home, and I doubt that they can handle Kansas City on the road. Give me the Chiefs. A lot of points to come. I'll take the Chiefs as well. Monday Night Football, New York Giants at the Atlanta Falcons. Another high-scoring matchup uh, coming from coming from the Giants. Could be huge days here for Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. against this Atlanta defense, which is god-awful. Last game, Saquon Barkley had 130 yards receiving and 99 yards rushing, just missing the double-century mark. He could have that happen for him this week. There will be plenty of points to go around. Shepard and Ingram are both good starts here if healthy. If Ingram's out, Shepard is a is a pretty good uh, option as a flex for me this week. Look, you've all heard me rant about how bad Eli Manning is, so I'm not going to go into that again. But the fact that I have Manning ranked as a risky mid-range quarterback, too, for this amazing matchup should speak for itself. <laughs> Um, you know, take a chick, take a chance on him in GPP tournaments and DFS, but he's still risky for season long. So Barkley, of course, remains a top five running back with 
Eli throwing him 37 targets every game. Uh, Odell Beckham, he's still going to be a wide receiver one start this week despite Eli's struggles. Assuming Evan Ingram plays, uh, he'd be a low-end tight end one and Shepard a low-end flex. But if Ingram misses yet another game, fire up Sterling Shepard as a high-end wide receiver three. Uh, lots of upside here and a good matchup. We'll just have to see if Eli can actually capitalize on it. This will be another fun week for Falcons owners. The New York defense is definitely a step up from Tampa Bay, but not enough to make a huge dent here. The biggest question for Atlanta is health and availability, specifically for Devontae Freeman, Calvin Ridley, and Mo Sanu. Jones is a no-brainer, and Coleman has at least flex value here with Dan Quinn saying that Devontae Freeman is likely out. Uh, it also sounds like Sanu and Ridley will likely play, making them both decent wide receiver three st starts. If not, Hooper may get near 10 targets again. Uh, if that excites you, go for it, because Justin Hardy and Russell Gage are, are not going to win this game for them. Austin Hooper, I, I may I may be wrong about him. He may actually have figured it out in the NFL. So kudos to him. I liked him when he was drafted. Um, he just burned me a couple times. Hopefully he's gotten it all together now, though. Yeah, potentially. Um, I, I do think that if all the wide receivers are healthy, uh, his upside is still capped here. Uh, he's liable to disappear from week to week, so he's still a risky mid to high end tight end too for me. Um, assuming that Sanu and Ridley both play, uh, I like them both as wide receiver three or flex options here. Uh, of course, uh, Julio Jones continues to be a, an outlier, a fantasy wide receiver one despite not scoring any touchdowns yet but you're certainly starting him in fantasy, as you are Matt Ryan. Um, running backs here, Coleman, a mid-range RB3 or flex option, as you said, with Devontae Freeman out. And then finally, Ito Smith. I uh, just wanted to mention him as a boomer bust running back four. He's getting the goal line work in Atlanta right now. Um, we've seen his you know touch percentage go up every single week um, with Freeman out yet again. Uh, I think Ido Smith is actually a, a decent start, uh, depending on your running back options here. I will take very frustrating. Hmm? Go ahead. Very frustrating for for Coleman and Freeman owners, but I think it may be a sign of things to come. I think this is a dress rehearsal essentially for next year. I, I think it's a sign that they're very prepared to let Tevin Coleman go and Ido Smith be the running back too. Yeah, you basically stole the words that I, I typed out for the waiver wire section uh, in just a oh. few minutes. But uh, <laughs> certainly we are on the same page here. Um, I, I do think that Ito Smith is a very talented guy. So we'll, we'll take the Falcons here at home, yeah? Yes, I will also take the Falcons. Uh, four by teams this week. Excuse me. <clears throat> Four by teams this week. Sorry about that. Uh, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Ty Montgomery, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Gerardo Mallison, Marquez Valdez, Scandling, Jimmy Graham. You guys know all these guys. Uh, Green Bay gets a week to rest these wide receivers. Probably nothing new by this game unless Aaron Jones goes crazy. He uh, was... He was close on a touchdown. I wouldn't say he was robbed, but uh, but he was close on a touchdown early in this game. Oakland, Derek Carr, Marshawn Lynch. Gosh, I hope you're not starting Derek Carr. Marshawn Lynch, Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson. I hope you're not touching him either. Jared Cook, eight points for Marshawn Lynch despite a bad game script. A lot more of those may be coming. Jalen Richard was the benefactor for eight targets, uh, but you aren't starting him outside of very, very like the deepest you're not starting Jalen Richard let's not fool ourselves Amari Cooper left with a concussion so the bye week comes at a perfect time for him uh, I would not drop Cooper mostly because of the rumors that Oakland is open to trading him for a first round pick he could produce much better depending on where he goes wouldn't wouldn't the NFL be a much better world if like 
the Colts had Amari Cooper and Josh Doxson or something like that, or Corey Davis instead of the terrible offenses they play with. Yeah, um, I, I'm sure that if they do trade away Amari Cooper, then John Gruden will find some 34-year-old wide receiver. Maybe he'll trade Amari Cooper for like Larry Fitzgerald. He seems to like stuff like that. That wouldn't be so bad, but I think Larry would have to agree to that one. Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, if we can call him a football player right now. James Conner, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Vance McDonald, Jesse James. No no surprises here this game from Pittsburgh. Wait and see if any news comes about Le'Veon Bell maybe returning uh, this week during the bye, as was reported a couple weeks ago. As a Conner owner in a couple leagues, I'm personally holding him rather than trading him to the Bell owner until we see how the workload gets split if Bell returns. Uh, ben Roethlisberger made a comment last week that James Conner should be involved even if and well but when Bell comes back. You're definitely not dropping James Conner. Uh, for Seattle, Russell Wilson, Chris Carson, Mike Davis, Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, David Moore. Wilson played great, and we may have one of those full-blown three-headed running back monsters. Just not good for anybody involved. Uh, Nick Vanette was out with a back injury, but the Seattle tight ends aren't doing much anyways. Keep an eye out on David Moore as he continues to uh, as a go-to end zone, red zone target for Russell Wilson with another touchdown here versus Oakland at Wembley. Yep, and uh, moving on to the injuries here, uh, just a quick note before we get to the quarterbacks and kicking it off. We had listed O.J. Howard on last week's podcast as likely out another couple weeks, and Breda is potentially out three to four weeks. Um, but both came back this week uh, much more quickly than expected and both scored touchdowns. So uh, apologies for the bad information, but while we do give you guys the most up-to-date information on the show, keep in mind that we're recording on Monday nights, which is why we always say to monitor the practice reports for the week to stay up-to-date on any changes to players' health statuses. Again, I uh, just want to say our bad, but make sure you're staying updated on these players injuries on twitter or whatever websites or apps that you're using for fantasy all right on the quarterback injuries here deshaun watson with that chest contusion he played through it against buffalo but clearly underperformed uh, unclear whether it was due to a strong bills defense or watson's injury or a little bit of both but i would consider benching him at jacksonville if he's not 100 percent for this tough road matchup Baker Mayfield with an ankle sprain. Uh, that should be minor as he finished the game. Should be likely to play this week. Derek Carr, shoulder injury. Uh, we're waiting more information here, but it's expected to be minor, and the Raiders are also on bye this week, so Carr gets some extra time to heal up before a good matchup against the Colts in Week 8. Josh Allen has the right elbow contusion. He's questionable for this week, but it sounds like he's likely to play. Um, his injury is a little bit different from what Marcus Mariota suffered, so Hopefully, Allen shouldn't have issues gripping the ball, but monitor that practice participation this week. And then Ryan Tannehill with a shoulder sprain. He's questionable for week seven after Brock Osweiler started this past week. But hopefully, you weren't relying on Tannehill in one quarterback leagues anyway. And regardless, none of the Miami skill, excuse me, skill players are great fantasy options anyway. Uh, but it is worth noting that they weren't exactly hindered by Osweiler starting, so minimal impact here regardless of whether Tannehill plays this game. 
As for our list of injured running backs, Matt Burita with that mid-ankle sprain, we'll see. We're seeing how effective he is tonight. He's got a touchdown already, but barring re-injury or worsening, he should be good to go this coming week. Dalvin Cook with his hamstring questionable this week, but it helps that Minnesota decided to rest him in that easy matchup versus Arizona. Should be close to returning, but monitor the, uh, the practice reports this week. Carry on Johnson with his ankle sprain, uh, which was minor. Detroit had their bye week. I think he's going to be fine this week. Chris Thompson with rib and knee injuries was questionable for Week 7. Monitor those reports, of course. Darren Sproles with his hamstring strain. Hayes missed a couple of weeks. Questionable, but unlikely to play this week. I'm not touching him whether he does or not. Devontae Freeman, foot contu cont uh, contusion and groin injury. He's likely out this week per Dan Quinn, but I'd avoid even if he was active in that timeshare with Tevin Coleman and Ito Smith. Consider selling him if possible, as Freeman may never be 100% this year, and Atlanta has devolved into that running back by committee, even if he is healthy. Dante Foreman and his Achilles injury. Sounds like he's not quite ready to be activated off the pup, but he's a chance to become the lead back eventually with Lamar Miller and Alfred Blue not impressing at all. Leonard Fournette and his hamstring strain. Questionable, but he did run today. Hooray for that. Monitor reports. Giovanni Bernard, MCL sprain out two to four more weeks. Don't need to roster him in shallow leagues anyway with Joe Mixon healthy as a workhorse. He doesn't cede any work to any other backs. Joe Mixon is the man. Robert Turman injured his shoulder. Questionable for week seven. You weren't likely starting him, but if he's out, that would free up a few more touches for Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, probably get Jordan Wilkins back in there. I don't know. I don't like any of them. And at the wide receivers, uh, we've got Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison both out with hamstring injuries tonight against the Niners. Uh, this bye week should help them, but it's not necessarily a guarantee, so monitor their practice participation after the Packers' bye. Amari Cooper, as we said, had the concussion, but with Oakland on bye this week, hopefully he should be good to go, barring an unusually long recovery here. Cooper Cup has a knee sprain, questionable for Week 7. Uh, he did return and play the second half of Den against Denver, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready to go. Uh, so monitor those practice reports out of L.A. Jamison Crowder with the knee injury, questionable for this week, but not looking great. Keep monitoring the practice reports. Tavon Austin, hopefully you weren't starting anyway, but he's got a groin strain, questionable for this week. Ted Ginn, uh, he had the knee injury prior to New Orleans' bye, but uh, hopefully with that extra week off, uh, he will be likely to play. Still questionable, though, so monitor those practice reps. John Ross, uh, he's got that knee injury, questionable for week seven, monitor the practice reports. Dante Pettis with the knee injury, uh, he probably isn't playing a huge role anyway with Marquise Goodwin back now, but keep an eye on him. Calvin Ridley had that bone bruise on the ankle. And Mohamed Sanu had a hip injury, but per Dan Quinn, it sounds like both of these Falcons wide receivers are likely to play this week. T.Y. Hilton with a hamstring strain. He's been out for a few weeks now. He's questionable for this week, but not looking great. Uh, keep monitoring his practice participation. Rashard Higgins with the MCL sprain. Questionable, but unlikely to play this week. And Quincy Nunwa with that high ankle sprain. Also questionable, but unlikely to play. Then we've got Ryan Grant with a high ankle sprain. He's questionable, but unlikely to be able to play this week. Uh, you probably weren't starting him anyway, but this could boost Chester Rogers a little bit more uh, with you know the Colts really just having nobody at wide receiver. And then finally, Marcus Johnson, uh, we talked about a little bit. We're awaiting more info on him, but he was carted off with a potentially serious injury. Again, probably just a guy for deeper leagues or dynasty, but again, this could help Chester Rogers a little bit more.
As for the tight ends, we'll start off with Greg Olson and his foot fracture. Don't panic. This is just an update that Greg Olson played almost every snap on offense versus Washington. While he is still at risk for re-injury, he's a fine start as a tight end one until further notice. Evan Ingram and his sprained MCL, questionable for this week. Monitor his practice reports. He may be good to go in a great game here. Jack Doyle's hip injury, he missed multiple weeks, questionable for this week. Monitor the practice reports. You're probably not holding on to him, but if he's back, he's going to hurt Eric Ebron's upside. Niles Paul's MCL sprain, he's questionable but unlikely to play this week and Tyler Croft in the foot fracture doubtful for this week and could need season ending surgery CJ Uzoma was third on the Bengals in targets playing the majority of the snaps with Eifert and Croft both out here and as for our kickers weekly update Greg Zerline and his groin injury he's been out multiple weeks but he could return this week monitor the practice reports and add him if he was dropped these past few weeks Matt Bryant strained his hamstring, too, likely out this week for Dan Quinn, and maybe more depending on the severity of the injury. Bryant can likely be dropped if you've been starting him. Sort of sad with that uh, with that nice uh, matchup that they've got versus the Giants this week. Right, and Bryant was pretty consistent prior to that injury. So another kicker bites the dust here. And really moving on to the waiver wire adds uh, a lot of slim pickings uh, at this point in the season. But at quarterback, we've got Andy Dalton. 62% owned in ESPN, 75% Yahoo. We probably sound like a broken record here, but we've been talking about Dalton for weeks. He's the number nine fantasy quarterback through six weeks, and he'll be a mid-range QB1 in a great matchup this week at Kansas City. Jameis Winston, 57% owned in ESPN, 59% in Yahoo. He gets a tougher matchup against the Browns this week. But with the Bucks defense giving up a ton of points, he's going to need to throw. Winston's a high-end quarterback two, low-end quarterback one this week with the potential to be a quarterback one for the rest of the season. Mitch Trubisky we talked about a little bit as well, 33% owned in ESPN, 29% owned in Yahoo. He's going to be one of those brisk reward QB twos uh, in a great matchup against uh, New England. Uh, the Patriots defense had some blown coverages on those plays against Kansas City. Running backs, always ever important. So many injuries for running backs. Aaron Jones, 62% owned in ESPN, 81% owned in Yahoo. Jones continues to be a flex play with high upside in a Green Bay offense led by Aaron Rodgers. If Mike McCarthy ever decides to give him bigger workload, he could be a running back two or one. Tariq Cohen, 76% owned in ESPN, 75% Yahoo. With the Chicago offense improving each week, Cohen is a boomer bust flex play with high weekly upside, continues to get more touches if you're down on him. Don't forget, he should have had seven more points in a PPR this week. He was robbed of a touchdown catch, which he did catch that the uh, refs made a blown call uh, offensive pass interference on a player who never touched the defender. Corey Clement, 62% ESPN, 59% Yahoo. And Wendell Smallwood, 47% ESPN, 60% Yahoo. Clement is the priority pickup as Philadelphia's preferred goal lineback, but Smallwood is worth adding despite his rough game versus the Giants on Thursday. That was a game where the Eagles led by a lot for most of the game, and the Giants knew it was a run for most of Smallwood's carries. Clement is the high-end flex in Ajayi's old role, but Smallwood should get more receptions in the passing game in closer matchups and will still be a viable low-end flex play through the more boomer bust. Marlon Mack, 26% ESPN, 26% Yahoo, and Naeem Hines, 59% ESPN, 63% Yahoo. Mack got more work this game and is the priority pickup, but at Hines dropped an easy touchdown in the end zone and should still be involved. Uh, like the Philadelphia running backs, I'd rank Mack as a high-end flex play, and Hines is a boomer bust running back four. 
Javoris Allen, 57% ESPN, 65% Yahoo. Bucky Allen has been inconsistent, and Baltimore didn't have to do a whole lot on offense with their defense dominating Tennessee. However, they will need to throw to keep up with Breeze and New Orleans offense this week, and Allen is a flex-worthy in a uh, play in a better game script. Dante Foreman, 9% owned in ESPN, 24% Yahoo. Well, it sounds like Houston isn't quite ready to activate Foreman Week 7. He's worth a preemptive ad if you have the bench space. Neither Miller nor Blue have impressed thus far, and Foreman should be a flex or more if he eventually wins the lead role in Houston's backfield. And Ito Smith, 14% ESPN, 9% Yahoo. Smith just has played well enough to force a timeshare in Atlanta. More importantly, he's getting the goal line carries. He's just a boomer bust low end wide receiver three or four, but with Freeman constantly coming up on the injury report, Smith has potential. He should definitely be added in deeper leagues, given his goal line usage, and he should be added in Dynasty with Tevin Coleman, a free agent after this season. And a wide receiver, we've got Geronimo Allison, 49% owned in ESPN, 47% Yahoo. If Allison was dropped due to the concussion and the hamstring injuries, uh, he was trending upwards in targets, especially if Cobb misses more time. Allison can be a boomer bust wide receiver three in a Packers offense led by Aaron Rodgers. Mohamed Sanu, 63% ESPN, 51% Yahoo. Sanu's been a wide receiver two the last few weeks, and he should be picked up by those needing wide receiver help. And even if you're set at wide receiver, he's trade bait. Christian Kirk, 14% ESPN and Yahoo. Clearly Kirk's Rosen's go-to guy, and he's led Arizona in receiving the last couple of weeks. Um, I said that he, I would actually prefer him over Larry Fitzgerald. And Kirk's a boomer bust flex play right now, even on a bad offense, given his target share. Taylor Gabriel, 33% ESPN, 22% owned in Yahoo. Gabriel's still just a boomer bust wide receiver four or flex play, but with Chicago's offense improving and Trubisky taking some shots downfield, Gabriel's got that high upside, especially against the Patriots defense this week that allowed a huge game to Tyreek Hill on some broken coverages downfield. Kiki QT, 39% owned in ESPN and 47% Yahoo. It was a down game for QT and Houston's offense in general against the Bills. And Jacksonville's going to be another tough matchup this week, but QT remains that boomer bust flex play with the upside every week. And just looking ahead, he's got a great fantasy playoff schedule. He's faces Cleveland, Indianapolis, and the New York Jets from weeks 14 to 16. Speaking of the Jets, Robbie Anderson, 52% owned in ESPN, 55% owned in Yahoo. It was Jermaine Kirst that had the big game this week, but with Sam Darnold playing fairly well and just missing Anderson for a long touchdown, Anderson's going to remain a boomer bust wide receiver four play with high weekly upside. Willie Sneed, 9% owned in ESPN and in Yahoo. As we said, there's not a ton of weekly upside, but Sneed led Baltimore in targets against Tennessee, and he'll be a flex option with an okay floor but low ceiling if you're desperate for wide receiver help. David Moore, 3% owned in ESPN, 2% Yahoo. We said that last week that Moore had a chance to become a bigger red zone threat in Seattle, and while his targets remain dangerously low, Moore is a boomer bust wide receiver four that should be added in deeper leagues and dynasty, especially with Nick Vanett dealing with a back injury and the Seattle tight end position not doing a whole lot, Moore's got a chance to become a flex play down the stretch as Wilson continues to heat up here. Cole Beasley, 8% owned in ESPN, 9% in Yahoo. I absolutely do not trust Beasley or the Dallas offense, but if they truly are starting to get it together, then he's the clear number one target for Dak Prescott and could become a PPR wide receiver four or flex play. 
And then finally, Marquez Valdez Scantling, 4% owned in ESPN and 11% owned in Yahoo. We're seeing tonight uh, he's doing pretty well with Cobb and Allison both out. I would not spend too much fab money on him as both of those other wide receivers have a decent chance to return following the Packers' bye week. Uh, but if not for some reason, if the recovery takes longer, we've seen that hamstring issues can linger as with Leonard Fournette, then Valdez Scantling would be a solid wide receiver three play as Rodgers' number two guy. As for the tight ends this week, Greg Olson, 84% ESPN, 78% Yahoo. We said last week that Olson should be 100% owned, and that remains true. He's Cam Newton's number one target and the top five fantasy tight end every week as long as he's healthy. While there's a high risk of re-injuring his foot, it's not like there are many reliable tight end options this year. Use until he's hurt. O.J. Howard, 37% ESPN, 50% Yahoo. And Cameron Brait, 40% ESPN, 56% Yahoo. Howard is the better ad with four targets to Brait's one versus Atlanta, but Brait did get a touchdown on his one target as Winston continues to trust him in the red zone. Howard should be considered a low-end tight end one given how bad Tampa Bay's secondary is. But Brait is a boomer bust tight end two, and you could do worse than than that right now at tight end. C.J. Uzuma, 15% ESPN, 33% Yahoo. Uzuma should see a, a ton of snaps with Croft out with a foot injury, potentially for the season. He's a mid-range tight end one in a great matchup versus Kansas City this week, giving up a ton of points to opposing tight ends, also potentially the number three receiving target in Cincinnati. Uzuma has, or Uzoma, or whatever, has the potential to be a low-end tight end one the rest of the season in that Tyler Eifert role. And the low-guaranteed uh, press through awesome tight end of the week that is unowned in your league was going to be uh, uh, what's his name Ricky Seals Jones but now that I see the ownership percentages on CJ Uzoma that's crazy he he should he should be near 70 80 percent right now he's a great he's a good player on a great offense that's gonna have a ton of points Uzoma is the unowned tight end one in your league this week all right, book it. Uh, I certainly don't disagree with that in a great matchup at Kansas City. But moving on to the kickers here, we've got Dan Bailey, 47% owned in ESPN, 51% owned in Yahoo. Come on now. Those are criminally low ownership percentages. We've been talking about Bailey for a couple weeks. Since that disastrous first week with Minnesota scoring zero points, he's had 12 points, 11 points, and 10 points the last three weeks. Bailey should be close to 100% owned. Go get him now if he's out there in your league, especially if you just lost Matt Bryant. Ryan Suckup, 39% owned in ESPN, 49% owned in Yahoo. Whew, sorry about that call on Suckup last week. Uh, did not expect Baltimore to just completely shut out Tennessee. So much for Suckup being consistent uh, with that big fat zero on the scoreboard, but that said, uh, I guess I'm going back to him because he should have an okay matchup at the Chargers this week if you want to roll those dice. And then Greg Zerline, 42% owned in ESPN, 46% owned in Yahoo. Surprisingly, a lot of people held on to him during his groin injury, but if he was dropped, then go at him. It sounds like he's close to returning, and he'll, he'll be a set-and-forget fantasy kicker once he's healthy. As for some available defenses, the L.A. Chargers, 53% ESPN, 72% Yahoo. The Chargers shut down the Browns. Given how poorly the Tennessee offense has been playing, they should do pretty well again this week at home facing Mariota and company. Buffalo's defense, 9% ESPN, 3% Yahoo. 
Buffalo's defense has been playing very well the last few weeks, and the Colts are struggling a bit with T.Y. Hilton out. Even on the road in Indianapolis, they're worth a shot. Denver's defense, 43% ESPN, 44% Yahoo. The Broncos' defense has been atrocious in real life and in fantasy, but the defensive line should get plenty of pressure on rookie Josh Rosen in Week 7 and force some turnovers here. Kansas City's defense, 6% ESPN, 14% Yahoo. As mentioned last week, Kansas City should not be at it yet. But with Justin Houston and Eric Berry slated to return in the coming weeks, keep them on your watch list. Yeah, uh, opposing offenses are definitely going to have to take some chances uh, against that Chiefs defense uh, putting, uh, when you know the Chiefs are putting up 40 points a game there. Um, that is going to do it for the waiver wire ads. Uh, it's slim pickings this week. Not a whole lot out there, but uh, and, you know every point, every half a point, every tenth of a point counts because we've all seen bad beats and miraculous wins, you know by point zero three points, whatever it is. All that said, uh, we hope you enjoyed the 100th episode spectacular, um, and we hope in uh, a few years uh, you will join us for our 200th. Uh, hopefully still going strong yeah we did it congratulations us wow i'm proud yeah triple digits uh you know that's that's something i I don't know if that's uh, amazing but it's something i guess it's amazing it's amazing that dan hasn't thrown hasn't thrown me off the show yet (laughs) it's amazing that uh you've stopped eating sun chips so he doesn't have to <laughs> only, only our Shatter. old, our old loyal viewers who've been uh, with us for two, three years will understand that reference. I'm sure. That's right, folks. Long, long time ago, I was, I, I had an addiction, an addiction to cheddar cheese sun chips. <laughs> well, you, you know what they say that uh, cheese has the same effect on the human brain as cocaine does. Oh well, you see, and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that Packers fans call themselves cheeseheads because they all look coked out of their minds. <laughs> all right, before the uh, the Packers hate gets out of hand here, um, we will we will wrap this show up. Again, it's still fairly early in the season. I unfortunately, with terrible luck, have, am zero and six in one league. Believe it or not, um, that's Oof. the worst that I've ever done in fantasy. Uh, but uh, again, uh, you know, highest or er, third highest in points scored. So what are you going to do about it? But don't give I up. I guess quit. Right? <laughs> quit. Give up. Give up hope. Just drop all the good players on your team and just watch the team, uh, you know, go turn into anarchy. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go to the grocery store, get a couple giant cheese platters, and, and eat my sorrows. Anyway, oh, that's a good idea. That's while a good I'm idea doing that. Yeah, uh, while I'm stuffing my face with cheese, I will continue scouring the waiver wire, uh, work work those trade talks, and not give up because uh, we all know that uh, you never know in fantasy, and as long as you can scrape yourself into the playoffs, anything is possible. So all that said, uh, as you're trying to get into the fantasy playoffs, if you have specific questions for us, whether it's about waiver ads, trades, lineup starts whatever it might be you can find us on twitter i'm at ffa underscore mung that's m-e-n-g i'm at ffa underscore los los and you can of course always get at our producer dan at ffa underscore dan like us love us leave a comment subscribe say say great things say congratulations or say you hate us i don't care it's all good for me We're also available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or mobile device, click subscribe. Get the automatic download. Get it into your ears. 
listen to us early Tuesday morning every week. Yeah, I, I hate you, Los. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Was that was nice. that just was that just supposed to be in the podcast comments? All right. Um, no, that that's just on Twitter. That's just on Twitter. Darn it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll tweet that at you later, or maybe I'll DM Thank you, you that. Keep Is it between that because us. Because I'm I'm kicking you so hard in our league every week. Well, that's just not true. In fact, I My, won by quite a bit this week. No, our other league. I, I believe I'm doing better in both leagues that we're in. No. Would you like to check that? Oh, we'll do it after the show. We'll let these these yeah, poor let's, listeners let's put sign off on here. Hold for five minutes. That's a good <laughs> idea. As always, as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Times 100. Woo!